Hello and welcome. I'm Valerie Dalton, founder and artistic director of the Live Literature Company. The next two episodes in our podcast series celebrating companionship will be choices of Shakespeare's sonnets as a companion, leading up to and celebrating Shakespeare's birthday near the end of April. I'm delighted to be joined by three actors, Rosie Sheehy, Joshua Finan and Jonathan Cullen, who will speak personally about why they have made their sonnet companion choice before sharing their speaking of it with you. Those of you who have had the chance to listen to my last Live Literature Company podcast will have heard Rosie speak one of the voices in my prose poem, Song of Innocence. This time, Rosie, a recent graduate of RADA, will share a reading of the sonnet Romeo and Juliet speak when they are first alone together. Romeo is played by Joshua Finan, a recent graduate of my own school, the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. Like Rosie, he has already performed at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Rosie played the title role in King John. Joshua played Benvolio in their 2018 production of Romeo and Juliet. Jonathan Cullen's brilliance is well known to me, ever since I directed him in The Recruiting Officer, when he was a student at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama many years ago. He has since had a remarkable career as both actor and director. I have chosen to begin with the sonnet from Romeo and Juliet, because this play is dear to my heart. It is the first Shakespeare play I directed a full production of. It is also very close to me, because the man I hoped to marry, Adel Abdallah, also committed suicide. I was very young at the time when I met him. He was a brilliant Egyptian engineering PhD student at Cambridge University, cousin of the famous actor Omar Sharif. He also made the funniest jokes I can remember about the racist comments made and attitudes of his peer group and others. For those who don't know, I was brought up in a multiracial household. Unlike Juliet when she lost her beloved, I have not committed suicide, but I still mourn this person's death. One of the most profound and moving experiences of my theatre-going life was watching Margot Fontaine and Rudolf Nureyev dance a scene that you will hear Rosie and Joshua speak now. If I profane with my unworthiest hand this holy shrine, the gentle sin is this. My lips, two blushing pilgrims, ready stand to smooth that rough touch with a tender kiss. Good pilgrim, you do wrong your hand too much, which mannerly devotion shows in this. For saints have hands that pilgrims' hands do touch, and palm to palm is holy palmer's kiss. I've not saints' lips, and holy palmer's too. I, pilgrim, lips that they must use in prayer. Oh, then, dear saint, let lips do what hands do. They pray, grant thou, lest faith turn to despair. Saints do not move, though grant for prayer's sake. Then move not, while my prayer's effect I take. Thus from my lips by thine my sin is purged. 
Then have my lips the sin that they have took. Sin from thy lips? O trespass sweetly urged, give me my sin again. You kiss by the book. This is a sonnet that I've lived with really most of my life. I'm now 60 years old and I learned it when I was revising for my final exams at university. And I had a friend who had access to a house by the sea down in Cornwall in a completely secluded cove. There was this about a mile of empty beach and up on the clifftop above it was this old Edwardian house. And we had the windows open all day. There was about eight or ten of us staying there and revising for our final exams all together. And most days I went for a swim. And every day I woke up, opened the windows, and I could hear the sound of the waves making towards the sandy shore. It wasn't actually a pebbled shore. And, and I remembered this sonnet. And one of the things I did to take my mind off the anxiety about exams was I thought, I'm going to learn this sonnet. So it's one of the first sonnets I ever learned. And I love the epic size of it. It is that sense of expansion in your soul as you stand looking out to sea and seeing the waves coming in. And you, th you, you can't help but meditate on mortal things. The immensity of the ocean brings to mind the smallness of our human existence. Always. It's a standard. It's a classic poetic trope, of course. But I love what Shakespeare does with it, how he has nativity, an abstract verb for being born, that, you know, becomes actually a little baby crawling to maturity. And the sonnets, as I've lived with it, it's it's gained new resonance for me as I've had children myself and watched them crawl to maturity and seeing myself fight against the crooked eclipses of time, watch time transfix the flourish that I had set on me at 21 years old. And I've seen the parallels delved in my brow, though it's not a brow of beauty, but it, it certainly has a fair few parallels in it now. I love also the turnaround, the classic Shakespearean turnaround for the last couplet of the sonnet, where there's a sort of a, a wonderful twist in it for the last bit. And yet, that beautiful, and yet, despite all the previous 12 lines, I have two lines that will fight back against these, the mass of these 12 lines, the power of time. I like all sorts of lines in it stay in my head. I love time doth transfix the flourish set on youth. I like the verbal music of Delves, the parallels in Beauty's brow, those, the music that he's making out of the words themselves. And it's like throwing a stone into a pond. You feel the ripples of this poem going outwards into your life as he's going, despite the futility of it in one sense, I'll make, I'll make my art because it'll survive in some sense. That's given me hope through life. So it's been a good companion to me. It's also just practically been a good companion because as an actor, I often use it as a voice warm up for myself. I just speak the lines through quietly because it's nice to get your mouth working around these, some of these big vowels and clickety consonants in crooked eclipses against his glory fight. So it gets your mouth moving. So it's a, a multivalent poem for me. It works on many, many levels, and I love it, and I'm very glad to have the chance to recite it here. Thank you. This is Sonnet 60. 
Like as the waves make towards the pebbled shore, so do our minutes hasten to their end. Each changing place with that which goes before, in sequent toil all forwards do contend. Nativity, once in the main of light, crawls to maturity, wherewith, being crowned, crooked eclipses gainst his glory fight, and time that gave doth now his gift confound. Time doth transfix the flourish set on youth, and delves the parallels in beauty's brow, feeds on the rarities of nature's truth, and nothing stands but for his scythe to mow. And yet, to times in hope, my verse shall stand, praising thy worth, despite his cruel hand. I chose this sonnet for a very similar reason to Josh, actually. It was one of the first sonnets um, that I came across whilst I was at drama school, and we were asked to learn it, to pick one and to recite it to the class. And I remember reading this and feeling like it was very much apt to the way I felt at the time. I think I was extremely um, homesick and missing my family and missing loved ones back home in Wales. And so it rung true to the way I was feeling at the time. And I think it was a very cold December when I chose it. And um, yes, I was desperately wanting spring and summer to arrive. So I love the changing of the seasons in this piece and I love the imagery. And I think it represents exactly the feeling that one feels when they miss someone they love. How like a winter hath my absence been from thee, the pleasure of the fleeting year. What freezings have I felt, what dark days seen, what old December's bareness everywhere. And yet at this time removed was summer's time, the teeming autumn big with rich increase, bearing the wanton burden of the prime like widowed wombs after their lord's decease. Yet this abundant issue seemed to me but hope of orphans and unfathered fruit. For summer and his pleasures wait on thee, and thou away, the very birds are mute. Or if they sing, tis with so dull a cheer that leaves look pale, dreading the winter's near. Hello, my name is Josh Finan and I've decided to choose Sonnet 64. Uh, sonnet 64 was the first sonnet that I ever learnt off by heart, but it wasn't until a couple of years after I learnt it that it became special or personal, if you like. I was doing some plays at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Romeo and Juliet was one of them. I was playing Benvolio. And during the, the run, it was quite a long run, during the run, a friend of mine and fellow... Um, company member Neve Cusack um, was speaking about how because Shakespeare's sonnets cover such a wide um, spectrum of human emotions and behaviour there is probably if you're performing a Shakespeare part 
there's probably um, a sonnet that in some way mirrors the journey that you yourself as that character go through during the play. And um, I thought back to Sonnet 64 and it's kind of simplicity and it's um, evocation of the losing of a loved one. And it really chimed with how our production had chosen to highlight some of uh, the story of Benvolio, basically. And I thought about it to myself, I muttered it to myself backstage before going on. And although the scene was the, the same, um, it all went the way we'd, we'd planned. I was able to, because of the way I thought about this sonnet, see the other actors on stage and speak the words with a fresher kind of approach in my head. And from then on, it's really stuck with me as one that I enjoy returning to. When I have seen by time's fell hand defaced the rich, proud cost of outworn, buried age, when sometime lofty towers I see down raised and brass eternal slave to mortal rage. When I have seen the hungry ocean gain advantage on the kingdom of the shore and the firm soil win of the watery main, increasing store with loss and loss with store. When I have seen such interchange of state, or state itself confounded to decay, ruin hath taught me thus to ruminate, that time will come and take my love away. This thought is as a death, which cannot choose but weep, to have that which it fears to lose. Thank you for listening, and until our next podcast in a month's time, keep safe and take very good care of yourselves.